0: This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello, and welcome to Window on the East. With me, Ben Harris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. But, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about uh, economics, um, specifically the State of the Nation speech. And you were in vedamosti saying, I mean, we start with the obvious thing. The second half of the speech was about uh, the new missiles, very military. However, you said in Vedermosti, actually, the defense spending has been cut. And to a point where that might even affect industrial production, the, the, the whole budget going forward and the program for the federal government, seems to have just taken a radical turn back towards social spending, towards restoring the prosperity that Russia's uh, enjoyed in the boom years, because they've sacrificed that prosperity in order to pay for this arms, you know, with the showdown with the West. But despite all those missiles in that speech, it seems that that phase has come to an end. So let's start with defense spending. I mean, has it actually been cut in the budget? No, it has been cut uh, last year, Uh, it was part of the
1: budget maneuver to balance the budget. You know, you might remember that first half, particularly the start of last year, was a period where oil prices were hovering somewhere around 40 dollars per barrel level, uh, perhaps slightly above that. So then sort of towards the end of the first quarter oil prices have started to pick up but at that stage, uh, the government was very much concerned that the stability in the oil prices was a temporary phenomenon, and they were actually looking at a, a perhaps much more longer period of much weaker oil prices. For that matter, they wanted to cut the uh, budget deficit uh, Uh, which was arising as a result of falling government revenues due to weak oil prices and in order to do that they were looking at the budget expenditures Uh, so uh, basically you know cutting dramatically cutting social expenditures like salaries or pensions, uh, it's it's always a very difficult, if not totally impossible, decision for any government. Mm. Uh, Given, you know, the political cycle in Russia, that was uh, not something that the government would seriously consider. Uh, Out of the non-social expenditures, uh, basically the the biggest chunk is defense spending. Mm. So, so they've uh, decided to, what they said, they're going to postpone uh, implementation of certain defense uh, programs uh, related to upgrading military hardware in the army. These programs were running... For, for quite a few years mm-hmm. since year 10 uh, uh, but for year 17 they decided to postpone to basically shift them over to uh, further years and to cut spending for, for that particular year so yes indeed there was some, uh, some cuts in defense spending I cannot give you any data here simply because the all data on defense spending in Russia is classified what we know from, from the budget is that the budget approximately on the spending side is about uh, 15 uh, trillion rubles, which approximately is around 15 to 17 percent of GDP. Uh, Out of total budget spending, defense, law enforcement, police, etc., account roughly for about 30 percent of public spending so that's about 5 trillion rubles or roughly about uh, 3.5 perhaps 4% of GDP but that includes police uh, Mm -hmm. and that includes also um, the spending related to functioning of of armed forces not uh, like additional spending related to new military procurements for, for new hardware
0: So that's the secret part of the budget, because whatever we talk about, the public spending, there's a secret part, Uh, too.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I'd say that these military procurements could account somewhere around perhaps 2%, perhaps 1.5% to 2% of GDP. About 2 trillion rubles. The program for this renovation of military hardware in the Russian army was announced and started to be implemented in year 10. Mm. It was supposed to run for 10 years, and the total amount publicly announced was about 20 trillion rubles, which on average comes to about 2 trillion rubles a year.
0: So it all fitted. How... Important to the economy is the military-industrial complex.
1: It is important for certain parts of the economy, particularly when you look at manufacturing mm. industry. In total, it's it's hard to estimate, but I'd say that you know the the defense industry uh, in Russia's GDP, the share is fairly low, uh, I'd say somewhere in the range of 6-8%, to 8%, perhaps 10% max. Mm. Total in, in that industry accounts for about 18% of Russia's GDP. Uh, but uh, more significant part of industry, of course, is the resource industry. That's an mm. oil and gas other commodities including metals. So in value terms, they, they have more impact on GDP than on defense spending. However, for manufacturing output, it is quite significant. And that's one of the explanations why we have seen this fairly significant slowdown in manufacturing output towards the end of last year. So I think it was driven quite significantly by these cuts in defense spending.
0: So moving on then, Putin actually laid out a lot of very ambitious goals, um, which suggests the whole structure of the spending, the state support, is now shifted back towards um, the people. One of the claims he made, or goals he set, was to increase GDP by 50% over the next six years, the next term of office. But is that realistic? Ministry of Economy is saying, at best, we're looking at 1.5, 1.8 this year. Goldman Sachs said 3.3, which is by far the most optimistic, but none of those are going to produce a 50% increase in six years. Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's, it's not very realistic, I'd say. Uh, again, you know, there are various ways to look at that. One way, and I think that's what eventually Putin would stick to, is trying to to put what he says, ambitious goals in front of the government, sort of demanding more from them and if they eventually come up with a slightly uh, lower output, again, uh, that could create more impetus for the economy, rather than setting what could be seen as a realistic goal
0: mm. and then f- falling on that. So mm. he set the bar high, fully expecting everyone yeah. to miss the target, so, but...
1: or at least trying to put more pressure on the government to try to reach this target. So the bar government would work much harder mm. than otherwise. A very Soviet
0: way to do things, though. Yeah,
1: in a sense it is. The whole practice of setting targets for six
0: years is 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 very much uh, sort of Soviet type. And again, listening to the speech, it was like you know a bunch of big broad goals we're going to increase the construction of residential housing from whatever it is 80 million square meters to 120 square meters but in terms of you know bureaucracy or there, there was very little I mean there was some talk about digitization but that seems to be the thrust of the um, the reforms, such as mm, they are
1: no I tend to disagree here because they're A few things. Look, when, when people talk about structural change in Russia, and that's a very fashionable topic, everyone talks about that for years. But uh, there are different ways to look at that. You know, there are multiple problems that need to be resolved, and you rightly said, bureaucracy is one of those. You know, the inefficiency, particularly not that much perhaps on the federal level, there have been quite significant changes, including in personalities and the quality of people. But if you go down to regional and local governments, here you would find significant overemployment, very Poor level of qualification, uh, uh, very low levels of efficiency, etc., and a lot of corruption that 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 goes with. It. From a broader perspective, from the economic perspective, there are two particular areas that need to to be reformed uh, in Russia. Uh, one is the uh, area of labor. Uh, Russia faces uh, you know significant demographic problems because of aging population and uh, uh, you know the labor force is already shrinking it's not shrinking dramatically but it is shrinking and it will be shrinking fairly dramatically in the years to come because of aging population so something needs to be done with that one is perhaps creating more incentives for people to work for a longer period of time, including the retirement age. The other one is actually boosting the quality of labor, creating a situation where the efficiency of labor would allow the economy to continue growing, rather than to stagnate or perhaps even to fall. The, referring to what Putin said, he actually made accent, you know, on on the quality of labor through education, health care, etc. That's, that's an idea that has been more perhaps uh, uh, profoundly expressed by Kudrin and his uh, center uh, for reforms uh, over the past you know, couple of years and Putin actually tended to take this idea on board so this is one issue and the another issue where I and I think the market generally tends to be a bit more skeptical Putin did mention that he would like to see lower share of the state and the economy. He didn't specify how that could could happen. Obviously one obvious way is through prioritization of state property and decreasing the role of the state and the economy. But that needs to happen because the role of the state in Russian economy, if anything, has expanded over the past few years, the fact is that the state now controls significant part of. Because
0: um, there's been a debate, there was a study by the uh, anti-monopolies commission, and they said seventy percent state um, participation. <coughs> Whereas some of the independent houses, uh, when I noticed, it, it actually is around 40%.
1: Well, it depends how you uh, calculate that, because technically uh, some larger companies like Gazprom, Rosneft, Bear Bank, VTB, they are uh, traded. So uh, the state happens to be the major shareholder. But uh, there is a significant part of private capital in these companies, and technically they are not 100% state-owned. So if one looks at 100% state-owned companies, then yes, the share of the state is much smaller. I'd say that somewhere in the range of 30 to 40% max. Perhaps 40 is a bit too much. I think that 30-35 would be would be the right uh, number. But if you add in the largest companies that are de facto controlled by the state and often actually fulfill the state orders, then this, the, the share of the state is above 50% for sure. I'd say 70 is a bit too much, but somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 would be, uh, so
0: to, me, to, to, to me, uh, the right number. Because isn't that the essence of the structural reform that you have half the population? I think officially it's a quarter of the population are actually public employees. But if you include families that are dependent on budget yeah. money, then it's actually more like 50% of the population. Well, it's, it's definitely more than 50%. I can give you one
1: number, which is uh, Russia has roughly about 42 million pensioners, mm-hmm. all receiving funding from the state. And that's, mind you, one-third of Russian population. We're not talking about employed people. We're not talking dependents. We're talking mm. about pensioners. Mm. So one-third of Russian population is on, 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 on public uh, payroll. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, you have this larger company. Then, of course, the, 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 the number would be definitely more than 50%.
0: The essence of the reform, surely, is to take all of those people out of the public sector, sack them, in effect, and make them get... Jobs in the uh, no,
1: uh I uh, the the reason why the the market and myself tend to be quite skeptical about this idea of a shrinking role of the state in the economy is that there are certain limits that the Kremlin and the Putin Putin are not likely to break. These largest companies provide for a significant portion of government revenues strategically important for the survival of the state. If one transfers them totally into private hands, we might end up in a situation where these companies would not be inclined to fulfill certain political objectives set by the state. And in many instances, they do play a very crucial role in a wider geopolitical area, like Gazprom, the pipelines it, create, it puts uh, both to Europe and China. They have a direct geopolitical sense to that. So it is highly unlikely that... A Kremlin is really prepared to give away its control over these companies because one could easily imagine that if Gazprom becomes a fully uh, private company or the state share and this company shrinks to a minority one, then in a certain stage, the, the board of directors for Gazprom might decide to be more efficient on spending, to cut certain projects, including some yeah. of the pipelines, which are
0: massive. They would uh, start thinking about their shareholders and not what the government absolutely, wants Absolutely,
1: absolutely. They would boost the dividend payouts, they would cut on many investments, etc. And eventually, from political standpoint... Graham could 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 lose a lot.
0: On that note, Vladimir, thank you very much for taking yeah. the time. It's yeah. extremely interesting. Yeah.